0: Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 13, A Study Now in 2 Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary, and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In today's episode, we begin our study in 2 Peter with an introduction and a look at the role of grace, which is God's undeserved favor, as a foundation for a life of godliness. How important is our faith? in the life we live today. All right, turning to 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here, Peter identifies himself as the sender. But the very first unusual thing we see is that Peter does not use the Greek term for his name we know as Simon, but Simeon. Now, Simeon is Semitic, for Simon, Semitic languages include, as here, Hebrew, and then Arabic, Aramaic, and Amharic. The only other time that Peter was referred to as Simeon was at the Jerusalem Council, then by James. In Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they had finished speaking, here it is, James replied, Brothers, Listen to me, Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take them from to take a, them a people for his name. Now the Palestinian flavor of the Jerusalem council perhaps explains the use of Simeon in the book of Acts. There was also a prophet named Simeon who prophesied about the infant Jesus. We find him in Luke chapter 2 in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And there was a Simeon in the genealogy of Jesus we see in Luke chapter 3, and there was another prophet named Simeon in Acts 13. But the question is why does peter use simeon here in regards to himself well the new english translation bible has a note that gives us a clue in the fact that this hebraic spelling is a subtle argument for the authenticity of this letter so peter begins with simeon and then his name given by christ being peter then a servant then an apostle of jesus christ now the word servant can be better rendered as slave. All this pointing out that he was under the authority of Christ and submitted to Christ's lordship. To Peter, it was an honor to serve God. He also designates that he is an apostle, these being those who Jesus Christ called and appointed to serve. In effect, Peter is identifying himself as a commissioned slave of Jesus Christ and his appointed apostle, So next, who is he writing to? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter was likely sending this letter to Gentiles, and it is clear he is stating that they have a faith in Jesus Christ that was given through the righteousness of God as a divine gift. This grace cannot be produced by the will of humans, as we cannot save ourselves, our sinful selves. But we must receive this grace from God himself. Peter's audience had received this faith, and as such, received it from God equally. Assuming that Peter's audience included Gentiles, this is a remarkable statement, that we are all saved through the same and equal grace from God. In no way is a Gentile's faith any different to that of a Jew. Peter mentioned that Jesus Christ is God in his statement by saying the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He was equating them as one. In verse 2, he goes on to say, "...May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord." Well, the greeting continues in this verse two with a, some really clear Christian language using the word grace. Again, grace is God's undeserved favor. And he says, May grace and peace. This peace is a supernatural peace that can only come from God and is not just the absence of conflict. Both grace and peace are supernatural. And can be multiplied when believers learn more about God and experience God in their daily lives over a lifetime we should be drawing closer to God while experiencing God's grace and goodness and peace verse 3 says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence well when we get into verse 3 and 4 the grammar is kind of difficult and it's complicated and we'll leave the interpretational arguments to the scholars of Greek but we will see how most people have interpreted them first Christ's divine power in verse 3 has been granted to give believers all they require for life and godliness but we have to understand what life and godliness means life in this case is eternal life and godliness is linked to that life that eternal life because you cannot be godly without the saving grace of god that comes with eternal life his divine power was granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness then god has given us all things that pertain to life again because only god can make people godly we have godliness through the knowledge of God who calls us to life and to God's own glory and excellence. Well, the next term we need to understand is what does glory and excellence mean? This glory and excellence is God in Christ Jesus, splendor and majesty, or his divine being. It is not simply fame or honor, Christ's fame or honor, but it's part of Christ's divine being. This Allows believers to live a life of divinely inspired moral excellence. Let's read that again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory, to his own glory and excellence. In other words, as Thomas Schreiner writes in his commentary, when Christ calls people to himself, They perceive the beauty and loveliness of his moral character. His character becomes exceedingly attractive to them, and they trust God for their salvation. Believers are now morally transformed, but this only happens by God's grace and by his Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires or sinful desire again this is a difficult verse and it's a difficult transition from verse 3 however if by which he is granted here in this verse is the glory and excellence from verse 3 then from that, believers inherit the promises of God as they come to know Christ. What is clear is that great and precious promises are then given to believers through the gospel. Some have counted some 7,500 promises. But what specific promise does Peter have in mind here? As we see in this verse, the promise of being a partaker of the divine nature. Now, that does not mean that we become part of God, but we share in his nature, becoming increasingly more like him. It means we can call out to God our Father, and he will grow his spirit within us. God's spirit within believers is partaking in the divine nature. That's what that means. The giving of the Holy Spirit was a great promise fulfilled. If we belong to God, we have already escaped the corruption of the world because of the saving grace of Christ Jesus. Then, in fact, sinful desires should no longer have a hold on believers. Will we still sin? Of course. But we do not live a life immersed in sinful behavior, nor do we want to follow that pattern of life. In our next episode 15, we continue in Second Peter and looking into pursuing a godly life diligently. Well, I hope you're looking forward to Second Peter and you've enjoyed First Peter. I hope they speak to you. I pray that this study blesses you, and I strongly encourage you to spend time in God's Word yourself. Biblical Tapestry is on Facebook and Instagram. I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have discovered something helpful or uplifting from this study. God bless, and I pray that you're well and strengthened by God.